Ready? Cool. Welcome to Wednesday night. Um, I'm taking the place of Matt tonight. Uh, Matt's sick. He, he texted me in the middle of the night that his son was sick, uh, and he was coming down with it, so it gave me at least a heads up that that was happening. Uh, Jacob has strep. Matt has a, he says his throat's on fire. So, anyways, that's where Matt's at right now, so I'm going to step in. Um, I'm going to tell you I don't have a fully developed lesson. Don't expect it to be. You want to talk? Talk. If we get out, if we're tired of this, we'll take off too. I um, already had the notes and stuff started, at least with the uh, Life of Christ class that we're doing on Sunday morning, so I already had a direction. So I'm just going to pick up with that, and we're going to look at John chapter 5 is what we're going to look at today. So it'll take longer than, it took longer than I would allotted for on Sunday morning, so we'll take that. If you've got comments, you see something in the text that I don't see or I don't call out, bring it out. Because that's, uh, that's the point of the whole thing. So, anywho, we'll get rolling. Um, somewhere this is where it comes from. Uh, the fourfold gospel, the set of notes I have is Chronological Study of the Life of Jesus. It's kind of like a workbook. It's available on padfield.com, Church of Christ in Zion, Illinois, if you want to get a copy of it. They have a lot of different study guides, and they're good for just sitting down and studying. Uh, and based, this is based off the fourfold gospel by J.W. McGarvey. They take the Gospels and they kind of make a chronological timeline out of it. It's what he did. So it kind of works off of that. So uh, if you ever want to know, where know where this stuff came from in general. All right, so we're going to look at Jesus' heals on the Sabbath, John chapter 5, is where we're going to be today. After this, starting John chapter 5, verse 1, after this was a feast of the Jews and, the, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. What feast do you think this is? You're going to see me think on my feet. This is kind of how I look at stuff more than anything. I don't have candy up here, but I do have uh, cream cheese. Chicken flavored rice, if anyone's interested. Don't turn both of them on. That's all right. I've made that mistake like a million times. I don't know. For some reason, if you turn on both microphones, it goes crazy. We don't know why. Anyways, so what kind of, which feast do you think this is? Any ideas? No guesses? Probably the Passover, because he's going back to Jerusalem. Uh, most of the other feasts, they kind of take care of them wherever. Uh, as a Purim, you can go back to Jerusalem, or you can take it otherwise. Looking at the notes and stuff, I'm not going to have the text. This is probably Passover. What's significant about this, how long was Jesus' ministry? We pretty much know the answer on that. How long do we think Jesus' ministry was? Jane? Three years. About three years. The way we figured that out? How many Passovers you see? You see four, four, four Passovers. This is basically the second Passover. So he's been in ministry about a year is what, is what you see. So you're about one year in. Verse 2 and 3, another is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. What do you think Bethesda means? Any wild guesses? Anybody speak Aramaic at home? Jamie? Blind? No, it doesn't mean blind. But you can kind of tell, take it from the context. These people who are blind, lame, and paralyzed, they come here in hopes of what? Healing is a good guess, isn't it? This is really, it means house of mercy. 
which is what they're really looking for too. They're really looking for mercy. So house of mercy is what, what Bethesda means. So who came from its mercy at Bethesda? Like so, it says the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. These people come, come here. How do you think they get there? Yeah, somebody would bring them, somebody would assist them. Um, this is in town. This is in Jerusalem. It's at the Sheep Gate. Um, it's not like it's a faraway place, you know, but you're right. This is how they'd have to get there. Somebody would, somebody had to bring them there. And uh, picking up verse 4, waiting for the moving of the water. This isn't in the text in the ESV. It, might, it is in some other versions, but not in the ESV. Waiting for the moving of the water, for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed, whatever disease he had. So this footnote gives us, or part of the text as you want to look at it, gives us more information about this pool at Bethesda. Uh, some of the notes I saw said that this isn't in some, they think this might have been a side note to kind of explain things and creeped into the text. Regardless, without it, we'd kind of be at a loss of what it means to. So, um, so why were they waiting at this pool? What were they waiting on? That's it. The tradition says that an angel comes down, stirs the water, first one in, is healed. You know, I looked at several commentaries and stuff. This is an amazing thing to me, and I don't, you don't see it elsewhere. You don't see what caused this? Why is it there? Is it real? Like you say, is it a Jewish tradition? Did it really work? I don't know, but it's something that, a question that, that hits me is what and why this pool? Were there multiple places, you know, around that, is this the only place that you could find that there was this healing just took place? Or was it just a tradition? So, and I don't know. Like I said, it's a question that it hits me. Verse 5, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. What problem did he have? You know the story, so you pretty much guessed. It says he's an invalid. What's that mean? Probably wasn't mobile. Probably didn't walk. Um, yeah, probably didn't walk. It's probably, probably the case. It may be more or less of that, but that would be his case. Um, we saw that there's the blind, the lame, the, the uh, what else was there? Blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Do you think other people came here too? People with cancer? People with, I don't know, any, anything and everything? Probably, right? If it worked. A few examples. Yeah, I think that would be a few examples. Um, when I was in college, I played golf a little bit, and we used to play a golf course out of Melbourne uh, that had nine holes, and they did not have golf carts. So we'd walk, and sometimes you'd, you'd hook up with somebody else in your group. And uh, we hooked up with this one guy once in a while. He, would, he seemed to always be there. And uh, we found out he walked 36 holes a day. And he did this every day because he was off on disability. And we always wondered what kind of disability a guy had that could walk 36 holes of golf and swing a golf club, carrying your clubs. Any guesses? 
we don't know. We always figured it was a bad haircut or a toothache or something like that was kind of our guess. But anyways, he didn't have a problem like these people have. So, um, yeah. When Jesus saw him laying, lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm going, and while I am going, another steps down before me. So why wasn't he receiving mercy from the pool? He was there to receive mercy. He was there to be healed. Why didn't it work? Chad? Nobody's letting them have a turn. It's kind of rude, isn't it? They're all there for the same thing. Why not just let the guy, I mean, it says he knows he's been there for a while. If Jesus walks up, he's, you know, first time he's there, apparently. Tell, he can tell the guy's been there for a while. Didn't nobody else notice? Do they have problems that, you know, you're paralyzed, you're, you're blind? You were blind or paralyzed yesterday. You'll be blind or paralyzed tomorrow, unless you're healed. Is it urgent? I mean, it's not like heart attack or stroke. I mean, if you waited, does it ha you know, I also don't know how often this happened, but you would think somebody out of mercy let this guy go. Mike? Theory out that the worse you all you were, the more Satan was afflicting you okay. and with you. And this guy can't move. So, so he's full of Satan. Yeah, he's full of Satan would be a tradition that they could put on him. Okay. That's, that seems valid, doesn't it? And then why they didn't let him go? They didn't want to be near the guy. Sue? I think most of us, if we had been sick with anything for a long time, I mean, I just... If you get in, get healed by whatever it is, you do it. The, the flip side of that today, you call and you're sick, how long does it take to get into the doctor's office? A month? Two months? You know? It takes a while, doesn't it? It takes a while. I remember being in the doctor's office, the, guy call, the doctor called the neurologist, they told him six weeks, they said he'll be dead before then. So, you know, you don't ever want to hear something like that, but it does. It takes a while. It's not... Who's next? You're just going to wait. Picking up in 8 and 9, Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at, once the man, and at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. So how's, how does Jesus solve his problem? How did you expect him to solve his problem? Let's start with that. How did you expect him to solve the problem? What's that? Helping get in the water. Help get in the water. Wouldn't that be the easy thing, right? Put them on the put them on the edge right there, and water stirs up. Just push them a little bit. That would have been that been the easy thing, wouldn't it? But it's not what he did. He didn't do it that way. So what did he do? Shad. Matters in his own hand. Took the matters in his own hand. He, he, he's all-powerful, all so he doesn't even need the water. <laughs> yeah, he said it perfect. He doesn't even need the water. He 
takes it into his own hand. He's God. This is just proof that, more proof that he is. He, he does it his way. He speaks. He gives the word. Get up, take up your bed, and walk. Where have we seen the power of God's word before? From the beginning, right? God spoke, let there be light. The word itself is God's word. You know, Jesus is the word. So you see, that's the power in there. What kind of reaction do you think the healed man had? Chad? Everybody's waiting around to get in the water and they just didn't talk to Jesus. <laughs> you know, that, that's a really good point, right? Y'all been coming down here for days. All I got to do is listen to this guy. So, yeah, he's, he's kind of in shock. He's just, if I'd only known, right? No, he doesn't realize. See, I don't think he fully gets it, does he? Probably doesn't fully get How How far up do you think he has to get, you know? Do you, have to, do you think he just feels like, you know, yeah, okay, I'll get up. Sure, I haven't walked in, what, 38 years? Sure, I'll just get up. Does he feel it when he gets up? He stretches, you know? I mean, the man's got atrophy and everything else. But is he, does he stretch? Does he walk? Peter, you've... You learned to walk here again recently, right? Yeah. How was that first step feel? Well, it was a big step forward because um, I didn't know if I would be able to do it. It was a joy to know that I could do it. Yeah. This guy had that same kind of feeling, wasn't it? Chad? Put yourself in that guy's shoes as we're talking about this. Think about Everybody thought they had to get in the water to be healed. Jesus healed this guy with his words. Do you think he still thought maybe he needed to get in the water to lock in that healing for sure? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Maybe nobody ever talked about that part, right? You know, this is just the start. Then you dive in the water. You run like crazy. Yeah, you know, what do you thought he needed more than that? That's the story that they passed on. So, yeah, he didn't get what he came for exactly, but he got what he came for. What kind of reaction do you think the others had? Go ahead, Chad. You got some more? No, I'm good. Okay. What about the other people? Are the people that came there to be healed, people who were brought there to be healed, what kind of reaction did they have? Chad? They may have thought, well, I hope his healing lasts because nobody gets it that way. We get it from the water. You know, that's, that's probably, yeah, the skeptic point of view. I, you're probably right. That's probably a good point. You know, I, people I've seen healed, and they got in the water first, and they go. hope that one lasts. That looked a little weird, a little sketchy, but we'll see, you know. Check it out on the news. We'll check the social media feed later. See how it's working for them. Sue? Maybe cannot. <laughs> Over here, buddy. Over here. Yeah. Anything and everything, right? Jamie? Probably thought he was just, uh, like, messing around about being, like, unable to walk the entire time. There are probably some naysayers that thought 
yeah, he's, he's been faking it this whole time, and now he gets up for this carnival act? There's, there's probably people that way, right? There's people today that will say that. Read this story 2,000 years later and we'll say that. Yeah. Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn. Yeah, yeah, there, you, you. there you go. Um, I took a couple classes over at the uh, Florida School of Preaching. Um, and the guy that I had, <laughs> the guy that taught the class, um, Mr. Blackman, he taught one of the things, he did special topics to the church, talked a lot of stuff, but he talked about the faith healing and everything, and Lakeland has a very big faith healing church. And he gave us instructions that if he passed away during the length of his class, we were to take him there up on stage. He said if he got up and, you know, if he could bring him back to life, everybody had to get, everybody had to change. That's, that was the proof that he wanted. So, yeah. The healing ministry of Jesus, you see people, and they're bringing people from everywhere just to be in the shadow, just to be near, just to be with the lady who touches just the cloak. It's just enough. You know, what you wouldn't do. It's that powerful. And, yeah, the other people, I think that probably been most of them's opinion. It's like, I need that. I've got to have that. I put on there? No. What did we not see with Jesus? Jesus Jesus just speaks. Get up, take up your bed, and walk. There's no showmanship, right? Alakazam, nothing like that, right? No pay me money, no get the media here. He just speaks and makes it happen whole lot different than you'd expect. But that's, that's how it was done. The other half of verse 9, now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. So we got the reaction we've heard from the, the reaction of the guy, the reaction of the people. But the Jews, the Jewish leaders, it's not just the Jews, it's the Jewish leaders, because, I mean, you're in Jerusalem. They're all Jews, right, by and large. What kind of reaction do the Jewish leaders have? <laughs> typical. It, it becomes more and more typical. This is pretty early on in Jesus' ministry, and you start seeing it, but for the next two years of his ministry, I mean, until the last minute, you see this. You see this. They're just, anything that he could do wrong, he did it wrong. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, oh, he healed the guy. The guy's never walked, and he healed him. It's, uh, he did it on the wrong day of the week. But he's done, you know, they're not even cherishing Jesus. They're fussing at the guy. You haven't walked in 38 years, but now all of a sudden, you're carrying your bed. You know, it's not lawful. Today's the Sabbath. You can't just carry your bed. <laughs> that's a good point right if the, if the angel stirred that water he would have jumped in there right that well I got a question kind of kind of idea you're right he would have jumped in the water right they were expecting to he knew he knew what day it was they all knew so yeah he would have he would have jumped in then too 
So what does he do? He, he picks up his bed. Is that, is that really forbidden? Is that, Shad? It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't the problem, I don't think, with, with being told to pick up his bed. It was the problem that they didn't uh, think Jesus should have that power. You're probably right on that. Because at the end of the day, everybody else there is going to pick up their stuff and go too some form or fashion. So you're, you're probably right. It's just he and, he and Jesus invoked them to whatever, and they're just upset. Uh, so what did they expect them to do? Like Brent said, would he have jumped in the water on the Sabbath? So the man gets healed. Apparently that's not, apparently that's allowed. Like you say, you could jump in the water. That could, if you're healed, you're healed. But what he, the law he broke, the rule that he broke, was he picked up his bed. So what did they expect him to do? Sit back down. Carried him in on the bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They probably carried him in on the bed or somebody carried it with him or something. So what did they expect him to do? Just, what? She's been doing her hand. Oh, sorry. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, that's what Jesus told him to do. If he hadn't done what Jesus said to do, I question whether he would have been healed. Uh, but much like the healing, and I'm trying to remember the story in the Old Testament uh, where he's told to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Uh, Naaman, thank you. Uh, but, you know, he wanted to do it in the, the clean river and, and, or water back home that was clean and, you know, all kinds of things. But that wouldn't work. He had to do exactly what he was told to do yeah. to be healed of the leprosy. And that's what he was told to do. Pick it up. Pick it up. So, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming... The Jewish leaders wanted him to just uh, sit there. You know, I'm healed, but I can't go anywhere. But like I said, that was part of Jesus' commands. Pick it up and walk. Was the man's situation so urgent that he needed to be healed on the Sabbath? As, you know, kind of back to the water thing. They know what day it is. The calendar don't change. Was it so urgent that Jesus had to heal him that day? You're right. And that's really the crux of it. It really is. Where he is is, is when it's going to happen. Okay? What well, is urgent because Jesus was going to do it and the guy didn't have an opportunity to make it to the water. So it was very urgent for him. Very urgent to him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Jesus chose to do it on the Sabbath. Like, like Mike said, that's where he was on that day, and that's what happened. You think he would have ordered a man to break the Sabbath? I guess that's kind of where I'm trying to get to. You know, if they're fussing at him for breaking, at the guy for breaking the Sabbath, would Jesus have made him, ordered him, commanded him to break the Sabbath? Chad? And these rules up as they went along because they didn't 
respect Jesus's authority. Yeah. Is somewhere in the rule book that it say do not carry your mattress on Sabbath? I mean, I, I don't know. You carry your right hand, but not your left hand. Right. Go counterclockwise around the pool. Yeah, there's. You're probably you're probably right. I can't imagine that there were some set of rules. If you're sitting by the pool and you get in, you're healed. You must just lounge around the pool until the sun goes down. It wouldn't, you know. You know, would you just leave all your trash and come back and get it later? <laughs> yes. You know, so that, that really wouldn't, doesn't make sense. That's like a modern problem. Right. That's not a problem. <laughs> but yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. And I, Jesus to, is there to fulfill the law, not to break the law. Sue? Uh, the, the Sabbath law did not say you couldn't walk around. It said you couldn't walk a certain distance. Right. Uh, it said you couldn't work. They interpreted work uh, in ways that the, the Old Testament law never intended for it to be interpreted. Yeah, and, and you know, like I said, this guy's bed, he's not got the sleep number bed, king size, you know, he's not got a bed like that. This is probably yoga mat type bed. You know, it's not like he's working it too hard, except for a guy who hadn't walked in 38 years. Yeah. Chad? Yeah. Sounds like to me if he's carrying his bed, he ain't planning on doing much work. No. No. He's, he's, he's going home. You know, that's really where he's going to go. That's, he's not going to go to his job. Hey, I brought my bed. Can I just put it out here with a bike rack? You know, it's not like that. He's, this is what he's doing. And no, they, it's not what the Sabbath was intended for. And we kind of get farther. Um, picking up in verse 11. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who's the man who said, who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Well, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. There was a crowd in that place. So they asked that guy, basically, what do you think you're doing? I'm doing what I was told. Who told you? That guy. That guy. Where is this guy? Why doesn't he know where that guy is? And why is Jesus not there? Of exiting stage right? <laughs> yes. They'd line up. The crowds would be there. He would never get done. It would be an endless line. They would be there for the healing, but not for the Son of God. It would be a sideshow rather than a sign that he is God. It's kind of that. Yeah, how many times did he tell people, don't tell anybody? You know, it was the same kind of thing. Pick up your bed and walk. And he just, while that guy's figuring out what's going on, he just disappears. That way he can't just, that guy did it to me. Did it for me. If you see something, like I said, I didn't have a whole lot of time to prep this, so I've kind of ran out of questions that I've prepared ahead. If you see something you want to talk about, you see something that triggers your interest, bring it up. It'll help me. Verse 14, afterward Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. 
So he runs back into him in the temple. Jesus tells him, sin no more. Like Mike pointed out earlier. A lot of times they think sin and the, and the disease are tied together. But it's, you know, you're well. You know, Jesus has the power to forgive sin. We see this actually in the chapter before. Um, so he has that ability too. It also shows, it shows who Jesus is. It shows that he's God. That guy tells Jews. Why would he tell them? Why would he tell the Jewish leaders who told him to get up and walk? I don't think he knows the, what, how upset they're going to be. You know? Chad? Maybe they could. Maybe that's where the plan started. Maybe, you know, he was, he was supposed to do that. Yeah. This shows, this starts showing how much of that he is God and for people to see that. And the leaders, they get to the point, and you'll see that in one of these verses here, it starts showing that they start their plan to kill him. They've got to, it boils. It's underneath this. You see it a little bit now. You see it later when Lazarus, when he heals Lazarus. That's the most amazing one to me. This great miracle that he brings the guy back from the dead. And they're like, no, no, that guy has to die. So, yeah, you start seeing it bubble up it's all the way. 16 and 17, and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working till now, and I am working. The Sabbath for man. Man's not supposed to work. But if you're not man, if you're God, does God work on the Sabbath? He did, right? He's still God. Mike? Doing what I've done for so long, there are a lot of people, a lot of preachers who get up and preach this. And, and if you put it in context, Jesus is saying just the opposite. You're doing something to glorify God, glorify God. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's it. You're doing something to glorify God, let, him, let it be shown. This is not, this isn't work. You know, God's still working. This isn't picking up a load. This isn't, you know, running a business. This is God's work. Like I said, he still, he still works. The sun still comes up. That pool could have been still active. You know, can you be healed on the Sabbath? Period. You know, we can be forgiven on the Sabbath. We can be forgiven on a Sunday. We can be baptized on a Sunday. Same, you flip that. It doesn't have to happen one day a week. It can happen at any time. That's how God is. He continues to work. Jesus is the same way. He continues to work. <laughs> they would have had him in chains. They would they've been trying to whip the angel. Yeah. See, you, you see these little things, and you start asking yourself these questions. Yeah. Shad? Good deeds don't take a day off. Good deeds don't take a day off. They don't take oh. a day off. You may help somebody on a Sunday or Sunday night or Sunday morning or... Monday or Friday. It has happened here, happened in our lives many, many times. Many, many times. Verse 16 and 17, and this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things. That's why I already read that one, sorry. 18, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, that we talked about, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. 
So they charge them with two things. What are those two things they charge them with? They don't take them to court on it, but you know, they're fussing about them doing two things. Sabbath. Working on the Sabbath. And equalizing himself to God. Equalizing himself to God. That's it. The, calling yourself equal with God? No. It does make you, if you're the son of God, I think even the Romans and stuff, you know, the, the demigods they have, or half human, half God, they're still God. They're not people. And, you know, these, they're looking for the Messiah too. They know what the Old Testament says about the Messiah. They know he will be God. So I guess, I don't know. Sue? It may appear to them that this man looks like he could be the Messiah, but he's not saying the things they want him to say. And so therefore, they are fighting it tooth and toenail. Yeah. They saw these miracles just like everybody else. They did. But he was saying, you know, you're a hypocrite. You're not living the way you should live. You're, you're keeping other people away from God. They didn't like that. Yeah. You got God in man's image. He looks like a man. He walks like a man. He eats like a man. But he's not what they're looking for in the Messiah. It doesn't match that. Shad? Trying to simulate that if, you know, your father built a business and handed it down to you, you would be as equal as your father in that business. It, you would be as equal, you know, in that business as your father. So if you were in charge, people would come and answer to you. If they never have the opportunity to meet your father, which people did not because God was too great, you would have to mediate through Jesus. You're the only one that comes to contact. That's a good point. I'll take that for my own life. Work with mom and dad. Um, dad stopped answering phones long ago. He doesn't hear well. Sometimes he's just not really good with people either. Just, you know, he'll tell me, that ain't the way business used to be done. No, but this is the way business is done now. So, yeah, a lot of people, they never get to talk to dad. Some of them do, but a lot of them, on the interface with the business, whether it's email or, that's typically how it is anymore, it's email, it's, it's rare we had a phone call, some drop in, but you know, but yeah, the ones that do interact with him, they know I'm his son. Some people, I'm the face, or the typing, whatever the case may be. So, that's a good point. 19 and 20, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only that only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will be shown him so that you may marvel. If you didn't know truly, truly, or verily, verily, my understanding is that's also amen, amen. So just a side note there. Um, yeah, he's not doing anything on his own accord. This is all comes from God the Father. 
Whatever the Father does, he can do likewise, but he can't, he can't go above the Father. He's not going to be above that. He's not going to come up with new stuff. And there's going to be greater works, and we know there are. There's greater works coming. For as the Father raises the dead, gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all the judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son, does not honor the Father who sent him. Who says, the Father can raise the dead, I can raise the dead. Do we see him raise the dead? We've seen him raise the dead. Son lives life to who we will, whom we will. This points to what? What's this point to? More than just people coming out of the grave, right? Sure. The everlasting life. That life that was dead to sin, that we don't don't get to be with God. This is a life that, that we get from that. To whom he will. The Father judges no one. The Son is. He's the judge. 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from life to death. So, this is part of it too. We talked about he, he spoke to the guy, pick up your bed, walk. You hear the words, the words of life. You hear these, you believe them, you act on them. That's what really happened with, Jesus, with the guy at the pool. He heard the words. He believed he could get up. And he did it. And that's what we have. We hear the words, we believe it, and we act on it. And that's how you pass from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear, hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. He has given himself authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Don't marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good in the res to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So this is what? The day of judgment, right? This is the, this is the end. Um, and this is how we, that's how it's going to happen. You're going to hear the voice of Jesus. Those who were asleep, those who were dead, those who were in the tombs will come out of that. And if they've been faithful to the gospel, resurrection of life. If we haven't, resurrection of judgment. And he has the authority to do that, and that's what he puts with this. I can do nothing on my own as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is judged because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There's another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent the John, and he has borne witness to truth. The question they really have is, you know, is he God? Is he the son of God? He acts like he is. Is he? If he testifies, he answers it himself. Are you the son of God? We later we see when he's on trial, they ask him that question. You call yourself the son of God. What's his answer there? You say I am. You know, 
If, if, you, if you believe it, I am. If you're not, well, he can't convince anybody else. He can't just tell people, I'm the son of God. Um, but he says there's witnesses. Who do you say is a witness to him being God? The son of God. John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a witness. That's what he was there for. He was there to, bat, to bear witness to Christ's coming, to prepare the way. 34, not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. I'll be honest, I'm treading in territory that I'm probably not prepared to talk about, or not really fully studied on it, and it looks like it's getting deeper than I'm going to, I don't want to step on myself or do something wrong. So, um, the first part of the story is easy to see. And like I said, I didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare. So, if everybody's got okay, I think I'm, I'm you guys okay with stopping this study right now? I know there's good stuff still in another 11 verses, but you want to read them or see what you see, or do you want to? We'll finish it up. Don't let me, don't let me be dumb. How about that? And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So Jesus pulls out another witness. You know, the Father has spoke of who I am. This is my son, of whom I am proud. So the fathers bore witness. He said, you guys, yourselves, you're searching the scripture. The scripture is also known as the word, which he is. The, the scripture, the Old Testament, points to him. It points to who he is. But I don't believe that. It says, um, you, do, you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one who is, who is sent. They're reading it, they're searching it, and they're looking for information to bear witness against him rather than bear witness of who he is. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine trying to pull true stories, you know, not true stories, but information that points to Christ, they're trying to use it to point that he is not Christ. Sue? speaking to uh, were able to actually read the scrolls. They had the opportunity to learn what the scripture said. They weren't like the common ordinary man that no. just uh, heard whatever was said at the, the tabernacle or the, at the temple or at the places that they would go to worship from religious teachers. That's all they had was word of mouth. Yeah. But these men actually had, yes, and and they were knowledgeable. They, most of them, or well, a lot of them could quote the first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, they, they had just decided what they wanted, and this wasn't what they wanted. It wasn't, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, these guys had the privilege. Like I said, they've, they've had the privilege of touching the scrolls. As scribes, they've had the privilege of copying the old scroll onto a new scroll and double-checking it, triple-checking it, knowing how many alphas are in Genesis, knowing how many omegas are in there, counting them. As kids, they've memorized the first five books. Privilege, privilege, and privilege. Their job is to read, to learn, to study. At this point, they're looking for the Messiah. That's the number one job going on. But you're right. They're using it for something else. They're building their own kingdom. They're building their own set of laws to keep people out. To, you know, some of it is inflicting their own laws. The common person is only heard orally if he was allowed, if they're allowed in the tabernacle, not tabernacle, the uh, synagogue, if they were able to go to Jerusalem for the, the feast, you know, or they heard it from mom. They've only heard it orally. They've never seen, touched that hard copy. I, one of the things early on, one of the things I studied um, with Marion's class was, you know, all scripture is God breathed. And it was a hard thing for me to understand, hard thing to get a, a handle on, that everything he wanted in the Bible was in there, and anything he didn't want in the Bible wasn't in there. And it's like he always knew there had to be stories or something. But anyways, I've come to, come to my own grips with that a lot better than I sh should have. But I know there's some old copies of stuff. Uh, Camille's been in the British Museum. Um, I've never been. But they got some old copies of Bibles. So, you know, to see a word that was... If you could speak the language, read the language, you could compare them and say, this is good stuff. You know, it's a lit, legit. Um, I've seen some of these, the interlinear text, the Nestle Allen. You ever look at one of those Nestle Allen books? Mike has. Anybody else ever looked at one? Really cool. What they do is they delineate, they take all these little pieces of fragments and letters and stuff, and they say these words are in these except for these. But these are older and these are younger, and they delineate which is how you got the word in English. You know, how we got it in English. At one time, that was banned. Sue kind of looted that. Can you imagine not being able to, to study it in your own language? We're going to come together tonight in Latin. If you don't speak Latin, it's up to you, you know. These guys were privileged, and they had the word, and they searched it, and they read it. Their job was to do it day in and day out, and they used it against Jesus. <laughs> There's a lot of power. Power that they're using. Uh, you've got to do what I say, when I say, because I say, and if you don't, I'll put a label on you, and and you'll be in a heap of trouble. They become their own gods. Mm -hmm. A lot of power. Steve says, "Time out."
Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you believe me. For he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? That's the end of the chapter. This all starts with Jesus healing a guy. They fuss at that guy for getting up and carrying his bed. It turns into fussing at Jesus for acting like he's God and working on the Sabbath. And it really, it opens up the chance to talk to these Jewish leaders and show them it ain't the fact that I'm working on the Sabbath. I'm the son of God. The Father works on the Sabbath. I work on the Sabbath. Look a little closer and see who I am. If you that's kind of the theory, theme of the whole book of John. You see Jesus as God. And this is just, this story opens that up. So, well, thanks for being with me tonight. Like I said, if I said something wrong, it's my own fault. Um, time, but anyways, Matt, hopefully we'll be back next week. And I'll resume my job behind the keyboard and all that kind of stuff. So, thanks for being with me tonight. And if you feel left out that you didn't get cornbread mix or spaghetti sauce, come get you a can of that for answering a question. So thank you.